The Holy Gospel of our King Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it arose and have come to worship him. When, king Her- when, the Her- blah, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief and assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. They fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. The Gospel of the Lord. Well, good morning. Um, Thank you. Um, My name is Trenton Durham. I'm the director of worship here at Daniel Island Fellowship. And um, I'm thankful for the opportunity that Paul's given me to talk to you all this morning. Um, So as we prepare to dive into the scripture, I ask that you just join me in a quick word of prayer. Gracious Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. And as your word is open to us, I pray that you also open us that we be recipients of it and leave this place as um, light and salt to your world. We pray all this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. So as is the diff format, I'm going to start us off with a quick question. Have you ever experienced something unexpected? And if you live in Charleston or if you've been here for the last week, the answer to that is yes, you have. (laughs) Because we just had Snowmageddon. 2018 with cool little lines and stuff everywhere. Um, so I, I've only lived here for a year and a half, but I've never seen snow in my year and a half. Uh, we just moved from Asheville, North Carolina, where snow was a regular sort of winter uh, rhythm. But if you missed it, here's some awesome shots from our own Mel Stockhouse. Uh, I think that's somewhere on Daniel Island, and here is Smythe Lake, really cool with the palm tree and the snow and stuff. Those are very picturesque sort of images. Something a little less picturesque is our own uh, Diff Students director, Cody Quinn. <laughs> and last but not least, Buddy the Snowman, which we made that afternoon. And um, a young kid was out there in the field, and he wanted to take pictures of it. So his dad brought him up. He took pictures of it. And then um, he so promptly named it Buddy which is very cute. Um, (laughs) 
So that's pretty unexpected to have six or seven inches of snow in Charleston, even in January. Um, I joke with my parents all the time that uh, Christmas last year was like 75 degrees, and then this year is still like 72 or something insane like that. Um, so we just don't have winter, at least my kind of winter here. Um, but we did this week, and that's a pretty unusual event for most Charlestonians. So we've been going, if you've been with us for the last few months, we've been kind of working our way through Advent. We had Christmas Eve a few weeks ago where we celebrated the birth of Jesus. And that was a pretty unusual event. Um, even the leading up to his coming, we hear these stories of how he's going to arrive. And it's told to not the people you would expect. It's told to Zachariah and Elizabeth, who are in their old age, and, and God grants them a child. And it's told to Mary, who's a young virgin, that she's going to have a child. And it's told to shepherds, um, which were kind of the lowest of the totem pole, that this king, the savior, was to be born. Um, and so kind of the thought that I want to start us with today is, that the birth of Jesus was an unusual event, but perhaps the gradual revelation of Jesus' true identity was just as unusual. And so we're going to dig into something that's a little, uh, a little new for some of us. If you come from traditions like I did um, that maybe didn't uh, deal with this as much or didn't um, practice this practice as much, we're going to talk about this fancy thing called the church calendar. Um, so here's this really hieroglyphic-looking symbol. That's kind of the, the image that I wanted you to kind of keep in your head of this cyclical pattern. So what the church calendar is, like any calendar, we use it as a way of keeping time. So for those of you who have kids or if you're a student, like the number one calendar is when we're in school, when finals are, when summer break is. And that's kind of how we mark our year. You know, are, are we, am I working on my final right now or am I doing my weird summer job or what am I doing? Um, and so the church, um, for as long as the church has been around, has had different ways of kind of marking time. And they've all been around us kind of walking with Jesus through his life and his death and his resurrection and walking through kind of the history of the people of God, both in Israel and the new church. Um, And so every year we kind of go through these different seasons. So we've already been through Advent and Christmas. um, And then there's this weird word, Epiphany, which we're going to talk about in a minute. And then Lent and Easter and Pentecost. And then this big green one called Ordinary Time, which um, my professor always joked about. That's just when you do what you want. Um, (laughs) So let's talk about where we are in the story so far. So in December, we went through Advent, which is all about anticipation. We're kind of walking with the Israelites as they long for the Messiah to come, and we're kind of reliving like their eagerness to see him. Um, And in the same way, we're also anticipating the return of the Messiah and the second coming. Um, So we build up this huge wave of anticipation until we get to Christmas, and that's all about incarnation. So it's the miracle of God in flesh. We celebrate Christ coming down to earth and dwelling with us. So then the next sort of logical question is, well, what's next? That's where that weird word that I said a minute ago, epiphany, kind of falls in. So a simple definition of epiphany is an appearance or manifestation, usually of a divine being. And so this time, without getting too bogged down the weeds, a very simple way to think about it, is epiphany is all about the manifestation that Christ is the Son of God. Um, He's not just a human. He's not just an earthly king that's going to rule Israel. He's the great king that's going to rule all the world, and he's God made flesh um, for our benefit. And so we just read the story of the wise men, which kind of seems a little off place. For a lot of us, that's a Christmas story. Um, So how does that fit into the season of Epiphany? Two main points I want to make about the story of the wise men to kind of shed some light on that. So one, the wise men, the story kind of marks the beginning of Christ revealing himself not just to the Israelites, but to the whole world. So we read this, 
um, these words from chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So there's one key sentence I kind of want to point out here is, is the, for we saw his star, this is the wise one speaking, for we saw his star when it rose and we have come to worship him. Um, the wise men through the revelation of the star and through God speaking to them already know that they're going to see at very least this great earthly king, but at very most God himself kind of made flesh. And what's interesting about it, this is the first story of, of Gentiles or outsiders um, that we have that meet Jesus. And this is, um, this is kind of pointing to the fact that Christ, even as an infant, is fulfilling these promises that God has made, not just to bless Israel, but to bless the whole world through, um, through Christ, through his son. So he's f- fulfilling this promise made way back in Genesis to Abraham um, that says, in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. There's an idea that, that, that was very prominent kind of in the Jewish culture in that time, that the Messiah would come and kind of free the nation of Israel from the evil rule of the Romans. Um, and while there's some, some truth in that, it ended up coming into this very kind of like, we are the chosen people, we are the ones that are going to be saved, it's, you know, Christ is going to rescue us from the situation. And even as an infant, Christ is already saying, no, this is way bigger than that. Um, I'm going to take the whole world in for blessing, and everyone will be blessed because of my coming. So that's point one. Point two, the wise men recognize Jesus as God. We read these words. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them, until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy, and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh, and being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. So there's a lot of details if you kind of read the, the scholarly kind of reflection on this passage about what these gifts sort of symbolize. I'm not going to dig into that. Um, I think the main point that we need to take away from it is these gifts are something that was usually, usually reserved for either a king or a deity. And so just through the revelation of this star kind of guiding them to Christ, they already knew that they're either going to see this great worldly king or they're going to see something much, much more. And when they see him, it's clear what they find because they immediately fall down and worship him. Even before giving their gifts, they fall and worship him. Um, the theologian Robert E. Weber has this to say. The glory of God, which was once seen as a distant threat on the holy mountain, is now present in Jesus Christ and through him available as a personal presence to all the peoples of the world. So throughout sort of the grand narrative of the scriptures in the Old Testament, we see um, beyond Eden, we see these different encounters of of God with the people of Israel. And almost in every occasion, there's some sort of dramatic, sort of fearful event that happens. So, so Moses goes up on the mountain, and when he comes back from God, he's shining like the sun because he's been in the presence of God. 
Um, the idea that in the incarnation, that same God is now made accessible through an infant, um, through the most innocent and vulnerable of means. Um, and that we, through that infancy, through that, that um, vulnerability, we can have a personal relationship with him. Christ has done that for us now, but even as a child, he was already demonstrating that's what he plans to do for the whole world. So now kind of looking back to this bigger idea of epiphany, of the season, what does epiphany, what does, that, what does that mean to us and why does it matter? So during Advent and Christmas, we had this short refrain that we sung um, before communion every week. And I'm going to sing this, and I expect some of you to join in, because if you were here, um, so it goes like this. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out all sin and enter in. Be born in us today. A few of you remembered it. Great. So this is appropriate for this season, right? We're talking about the incarnation of Christ. Um, and an important word that I've bolded that I want you to look at is this idea of being born in us. Um, that even in Advent and Christmas, we're remembering that Christ came and was born, but then now through the presence of his church is constantly, the, the incarnation process is kind of re-happening through, through us. And so as we look at Christmas, we celebrate the incarnation of Jesus. Uh, a simple way to think about it, that is just him being born. And then now in this epiphany season, we celebrate his manifestation, him being known. Another quote from Robert Weber. If Christmas spirituality was shaped by the dominant theme of incarnation, so now our epiphany spirituality will be shaped by the overriding theme of Christ's manifestation as the savior of the world. Even as the incarnation finds its continuation in us through our union with Christ, so the epiphany of Christ is extended in us and ultimately through us. So what does that mean? What does it look like for Christ to become manifest in us and through us? Um, just a couple of really practical sort of practices you can take with you. One is this. Um, for Christ manifest in us, just a simple practice of prayer. Um, if you were here a few months ago, we had the panel discussion with some of us on staff, and our director of students, Cody Quinn, talked about um, prayer without ceasing, that we're constantly in prayer throughout our day and throughout our lives. Um, and a simple tool to sort of do that practice is this thing called the Jesus Prayer. It's very simple. It's just, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy upon me, a sinner. And it's a beautiful prayer because it kind of has a twofold function to it. Um, part of it is, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me because I am a sinner um, or because I sin. And the other part of it is, the Lord Jesus Christ has had mercy on me despite the fact that I am a sinner. Um, and it's just a very, I find it for me, a very humbling sort of Christ, kind of putting Christ in his rightful place and putting me in my rightful place, the understanding through his grace and his love, we're joined together. Um, and I think it just kind of propagates this, um, this sort of standing of humility in the way that we walk about our lives. Um, and it's really useful because it's so short. Um, so I know people who, in the midst of conversations, will pray this to themselves, kind of in the gaps and the pauses of what they're saying. Um, as a way of keeping themselves rooted into the fact that all of us as Christians, like as little Christ, as that word means, we are all being Christ to others, whether we're thinking about it or not. Um, we are demonstrating what Christ is and what Christ's love is. And um, I just find this as a useful tool to help, help kind of remind us of that fact. So as Christ manifests in us, then Christ manifests through us, um, 
a simple yet ancient practice of hospitality. So when me and my wife got married, I had a month left of school to finish. And so I was in school full time, and then we're living off of her income, which is a nonprofit employee. So that was very little. And we're kind of making ends meet. And to our great blessing, many different um, older folks and just friends of ours from the church um, brought us over to their house all the time for dinner, or they would take us out and pay for our dinner. Um, that's a very simple thing to do, but it meant a great deal to us, both financially, just affording food was hard, um, but also we got to see Christ's love kind of pour through them into our lives, um, and it kind of reminded us just of how much Christ loved us, and it set a pretty um, firm foundation just for the beginning of our marriage to start that way, knowing that we had this sort of community of Christians surrounding us um, and pouring into us. So through simple acts of hospitality, the example being um, inviting people to our homes for meals, we demonstrate the love of God to others, and in turn, Christ is manifested through us. So in closing, um, a simple invitation is this. If you're here and you're, and you're not Christian or you're new to this faith thing or if you're just exploring what it all means, um, I invite you to take comfort in the story of the wise men, that Christ is constantly revealing himself to us through a star or through relationships or through whatever it may be. And I invite you just to follow that path wherever it leads you. And if we are a tool for you to explore that more, then praise be to God and you're welcome here and we love you. Um, if you are a Christian and you've been here and you call this church family your home, um, I just invite you into a few things. During the season of Epiphany, I invite you just to soak in the story of God and the story of who Christ is and his revelation that he is not just this human, but he is God made flesh and really wrestle with what that means for us and soak in prayer and let Christ be manifest in you in that way and then ultimately that he manifests through you in the way that you love your neighbors and your friends and your family um, and the way that we continue to show and demonstrate Christ's love for others. So in closing, um, I invite you to hear this prayer. This is a short epiphany prayer and just to meditate on these words as we prepare our hearts for communion. Let us pray. Give us grace. O Lord, to readily answer the call of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and to proclaim to all people the good news of his salvation, that we in the whole world may come to know the glory of his marvelous works, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen.